Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. CBS finds its toy man. DC Universe Online gets a new playable character. And we finally get to discuss the Supergirl pilot. This is Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and in this episode, we're finally going to get to talk about the Supergirl pilot, and I'm so excited. So glad that this has finally started and we get to watch this show. Yes. Uh, But before any of that, we have... The News. Actor Henry Cherney has been cast as Winslow Schott. Uh, This version of Winslow Schott will be the father of Jeremy Jordan's character, Wynn. According to comicbook.com, Henry Cherney is currently only booked for one episode, and his Winslow Schott Sr. is described as, quote, a classic DC supervillain, a mad criminal genius known as Toy Man, and Wynn's estranged father. Toy Man weaponizes toys to wreak destruction and revenge, but is ultimately driven by one thing, the obsessive desire to reunite with his beloved son, end quote. I like this description because it kind of gives us a sense of what Wynn's relationship is with his father, because I was kind of wondering about that myself. And so to know that they're estranged, that is going to be a good glimpse into Wynn's character, I think, to know why are they estranged? You know, is it because of the, I would assume, because of the whole toy man and being a, a supervillain? But, the, you know, yeah. are, are there other, <laughs> other issues that go along with that? And I don't know about you, Teresa, but I was really excited when I heard that Henry Cherney had been cast because I know him uh, from ABC's Revenge, where he played ah. uh, Conrad Grayson. And Conrad was one of, I don't guess they really had villains on that show. Like a lot of the characters were kind of good guys and bad guys, just kind of depending on how you looked at it. But Conrad was always kind of this character that you just really love to hate. So I think he's, I think it's going to be a really unique take on Toy Man. I'm very excited. Yeah, no, I have, I never watched Revenge actually, but, um, but that's awesome. And, uh. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I too, am looking forward to their relationship. Um, and we'll talk about this when we talk about the pilot. But there's there's some stuff already from the pilot that, like, Wynn is a, a nice guy and, like, obviously has a crush on Kara and all of that. But, like, there's something off about him and we could discuss it later. But I'm like, there's, there's like, <laughs> there were a couple of things in the pilot where I was like, I don't know. He might not be as nice a guy as all that. But um, let's uh, – we'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. Yeah, so that should be really, really cool. I'm very excited. 
Um, mm-hmm. Well, game company Daybreak has announced that a new unlockable skin based on Melissa Benoist's character will be available for players of the DC Universe online. So if you play that game, you'll get to see Melissa Benoist as Supergirl uh, in her costume from the Supergirl TV series on CBS. And it looks really good. I've never played this game, but that is very exciting. It really does. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't play DC online, but just looking at the character photos, which you can find uh, at comicbook.com, um, I mean, it's it's really cool in, in how detailed the costume looks um, and what a, like a great glimpse you get to see of it. And the likeness is pretty cool, too, but you're not really going to see it in an online game very much. You're not going to get very close up to her face, but um, I think she looks great, and I'm glad that she's being included in the universe this way. Yeah, that's very, very cool. Supergirl fans, take note, Comixology is having a Supergirl sale this week. They're getting on that bandwagon because they know this is going to be big. (laughs) Um, They are offering up to 60% off uh, digital comics and collections on Supergirl titles, some of which we discussed during Season 0. So if you want to get your hands on the stuff that we discussed in the past, now would be a great time. You can buy Kara Zor-El's first comic book appearance in Action Comics 252 for 99 cents. That's a deal. Uh, Head over to Comixology.com or the Comixology or the DC Comics apps to check out the sale. And now let's just get into it because, as you all know, both Rebecca and I kind of held off on watching the pilot. And believe me, I had several opportunities. I was at New York Comic Con, didn't watch it. I've been to other places <laughs> I, where they were screening it. I appreciate it. your your sacrifice, by the way. Did, didn't watch it. I was like chomping at the bit. I'm like, no, I'm going to wait so I can talk to Rebecca about it. But let's get into it. Here is uh, the official description by CBS for the Supergirl pilot. After 12 years of keeping her powers a secret on Earth, Kara Zor-El, Superman's cousin, decides to finally embrace her superhuman abilities and be the hero she was always meant to be on the series premiere. I have to put on my my, uh, announcer voice. (laughs) On the series premiere of Supergirl. Now, actually, this is really important. Monday night it aired after The Big Bang Theory um, at 8.30, which was a really random time. Um, But from now on, uh, as of next week, uh, Supergirl is going to be airing Mondays at 8. So don't let the premiere date time fool you. Supergirl is going to be on Monday nights at 8 o'clock from here on in. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's, let's talk about my favorite part of the Supergirl pilot which is the amazing Melissa Benoist. Uh, Rebecca, what did you think of her uh, as Supergirl? I'm really impressed that she is able to do everything that is necessary to play this character. I mean, she has to go through all kinds of emotions. She has to be kind of scared. She has to be brave. She has to be um, disappointed and frustrated and sad. And it's all the, the, the range of emotions that Kara goes through in the pilot. I was very wowed by Melissa as an actress and I thought she did such a great job and she's so believable as Supergirl and she's so likable as Kara and I am just uh, really really happy with her casting I know we've all we've kind of talked about it all throughout season zero but the premiere showed uh, exactly why they cast her and I, I think it's a plus casting 
Definitely. I, I'm, I totally am in love with Melissa Benoist. Like <laughs> she's amazing in this part. Um, I'm so thrilled she was cast and I was a fan of hers, uh, from Glee. I liked her a lot on that. Um, and I kind of figured, okay, well she had like a sweetness to her character on that show that would kind of translate. And I've seen her in smaller parts and other stuff, but really, yeah, you're right. She, she's a great actress and she balances a lot. Like she goes from being like, I, I love the word adorkable, so I'm going to say it. She was very adorkable in this in that she's sweet but kind of bumbling and kind of, you know, she gets flustered and, and nervous and all that. But then once she's in Supergirl mode, it's it's like some like, you know, the light switch flips and yeah. she is in it. And she's that's like when she's her most confident and you can see it. And also, like, I was really impressed with her in the scene where she sees Allura um, once uh, when Alex brings her the hologram of Allura Mm -hmm. and she's, she's seeing her mother and just that moment where she's looking at the mom that she hasn't seen in, in, you know, 20 something years, it really hit home for me. Like what a great actress Benoist is. And, uh, and so I was really impressed. Yeah. And I'm not sure how they shot that. I don't know if Laura Benanti was in the room and then like in post-production, they made her look like a hologram or if Melissa was just kind of acting to nothing. I don't Mm -hmm. know exactly how they did that. But either way, I mean, for her to convey those emotions, those real emotions that you would feel if you saw the parent you lost and wanted to connect to them, I I thought that was really um, a a very realistic emotion for her to play. And I also, and I know this, this might sound a little depressing, but I was really drawn to Kara in her sad scenes Mm -hmm. because... I thought Melissa did such a good job. My one of my favorite moments in the pilot is when after after she saves, you know, uh flight 237 and she's all excited about it and then Alex shows up and Alex is like, "What did you just do? You shouldn't have done this." And Kara's disappointment at that the way she goes from super, 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 super happy and excited and you know, all about being the hero and saving the day to you see her deflated. And I thought that was really, I could understand that because you could see that she was proud of herself and she finally got to embrace who she was and do the things that she was meant to do and, and, you know, reach her potential. And here she was like somebody telling her, you know, Alex was scolding her basically. And, and, and her, her line was sad, but also kind of funny. She says, you know, I'm kind of tired. I just carried a plane on my back. And I, um, even though that kind of made me laugh, I was like, you know, she's trying to play that off. Like she's not upset about it. But she really yeah. is. And I thought that was the scene in the pilot that made me just go, that chick is a good actress. Well, and uh, speaking of the sad scenes, the one that did it for me was when um, they're at the DEO. And it's like Kara, after she pretty much had her butt handed to her by Vartox the first time. And, uh, you know, she's basically like, the world doesn't need me. And she's kind of doubting herself as a hero. Like, why would I bother? And just her face in that moment, I was like, reach into my heart and crush it, why don't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, so, th- I think those moments make the joyous moments so much more exciting and so much more um, celebratory because you get to see that she's getting to be able to be the hero that she knows that she is and that she can be. And so I, I, I think you, you almost need those really sad moments in order to get the really happy ones. 
she just brought a really grounded performance to this because, you know, it's a superhero show. It'd be very easy to be like, you know, very stylized and like, I'm a hero and then like play everything big. But she plays it like a human being, um, even though she's playing an alien. <laughs> um, but she she really feels lived in. She feels like a person, um, a person that we could know. So great job, Melissa, if you're ever listening to this. <laughs> you know, it, it was a really finely etched performance. Can we talk about the young Kara? I would love to because she's amazing. <laughs> she was good. And I, um, you know, we we had seen some of the scenes where she kind of says goodbye to her Laura on Krypton. Like they showed a little bit of that in the promo. But I was taken with the fact that she was so brave. You know, in, in some respects, like it kind of almost felt like she was robotic. Like she was like, I will go and protect baby Kal-El. But yeah. at, but at the same time, she sheds a tear and she goes back to get a last minute hug from her mother. And even though she tried to put on this brave face, like, you know, I'm on a mission, I'm going to do my mission, I'm going to, you know, make you proud. She was still having to say goodbye to her mother for the last time. And I was just like, oh, Cara, that's so sad. Um, but I thought that, that that young actress did such a good job. Yeah. Um, uh, Melina Weissman is her name. And uh, yeah, I thought the same thing. Like she she really um, <laughs> it's funny because I remember during our live tweet, I said something like, you know, she seems like she's really together. Like she's very like she's trying like, you know, like this is the most competent, you know, 12 year old I've ever seen. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you're right. She she is putting on a brave front because she knows that's what her parents kind of expect from her. And she wants to do it. You know, she clearly wants, you know, to to be a hope for Krypton and take care of her cousin and do all of all of her family duty. But she is also leaving her parents behind. And uh, and, and I think she did all of that really well. And I thought it was interesting that Kara kind of throughout the episode, like the the adult Kara talks about how she, when she's on Earth, when she lands on Earth, she didn't have a mission anymore because once she got out of the Phantom Zone and she got there and Superman was uh, bigger and older than she was, she didn't have to protect him anymore. And I think that was part of Kara's journey throughout the the pilot is trying to find what new mission she had to go on because the one she had been tasked with at the beginning when Krypton was still a planet and she still uh, got to see her parents, that that mission was gone. She didn't have that anymore. So I think her whole struggle was about trying to find a new mission and she found it. Because, you know, getting... Cat Grant's lettuce wraps doesn't cut it. Uh, I love that we get details like Cat <laughs> Grant. I, I want that detail about Cat Grant um, liking lettuce. Um, if anybody from the Supergirl Wiki is listening, please put that in Cat Grant's profile page <laughs> because that would make me so happy. Like what her what her you know favorite like coffee drink is yes. like <laughs> all of that. Before we move on, let's talk about Krypton a little bit and what we've seen of that. Um, for me, like, honestly, I was really impressed with the design, um, the design of, of her pod. It was beautiful. And just, I think this, um, and you know, again, I still haven't seen Man of Steel. I will see it eventually. I will. I promise. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to find a way to get you to watch it. If I, I will. Ha- if I have to come out there and sit you down <laughs> and watch it, make you watch it yourself, you're going to watch it. I, I will. And I have to, cause I know I probably have to go see Batman yes, v would, yes. Superman. You will have to so, go see it. Uh, so I need to watch the first thing <laughs> for like the, the biggest legal battle ever, Batman v Superman, <laughs> over who gets to wear tights. Um, but 
what they showed of Krypton, um, I think this is probably for me the most like well-designed Krypton I've ever seen. Like, like everything looked very because in other versions of Krypton, like Supergirl the movie and like all the, the Superman movies and stuff, everything looks very like kind of campy. Um, there's a lot of big hats and a lot of sweaters um, and a lot of like weird design choices. People look like they're wearing like shower curtains. Um, but <laughs> but uh, the Krypton here, it did look really beautiful. Um, the pod was gorgeous. The fashions were – they still looked alien and Kryptonian, but they were, like, understated and they looked more like real clothes rather than, like, I am an alien civilization. Here is my long robe and big hat. Um, so, yeah, I thought it looked really cool. Yeah, if uh, if you liked this in Supergirl, which I agree was very well done, um, you're going to love The Man of Steel Krypton because it is awesome. And um, what I was really um, impressed with in terms of, like – uh, writing slash directing was like that first shot of the entire show is that beautiful shot of, of planet Krypton. And it's this, it's a really dynamic shot. Now, I'm a big believer in first shots and last shots being the most important of your piece. Like if it's a mm-hmm. movie or a TV show, anything like that, um, especially, you know, your final shot is what you're going to leave the viewer with. But first shots to me are just super important. And, um, the, the fact that the first thing we get is Krypton and it's just, it's, it's alien. It's, you know, red and it's, it's different from anything we know. And it kind of sets the stage for, Hey, this is, (laughs) this is a story about someone who is from out of our world and, and we're going to tell this story. And I, I thought that was a great shot choice for the series for, for how it begins. And I, um, I noticed that there were some similarities to Man of Steel and also the the John Byrne Man of Steel comic, um, especially it was really subtle. But when they showed Krypton kind of exploding, there's the, you know, the the blasts that kind of come up from the ground. Mm-hmm. That, that's very much how the John Byrne Man of Steel Krypton explodes. Yeah. And that's also how they show it in Man of, Man of Steel. So I thought it was kind of a nice little, continu- not, not really a continuity thing, but I like that they kind of kept with that tradition of how Krypton uh, kind of implodes on itself. So uh, I, I really enjoyed the stuff on Krypton. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, it was connected to the source material. Like it was very, oh, exactly. yeah. you, you could tell that, um, and we've been saying this all along. We've been, we've been impressed, you know, every time like new information came out, we've been impressed as to like them doing their geek homework over at, uh, Team Supergirl, you know, like the, the writers are on it and they've been doing their research and you can tell that they they really wanted to get this world right. And even when they, you know, they, they changed around some stuff and they they're playing with some stuff and it's very clear, but, you know, it's coming from an informed place. They're not just like changing stuff to change stuff or like, I'm going to make this up because whatever. It's it's very well thought out and very um, even if they change something, it's it's always honoring the original material, which I think is important for something like this. Yeah, and speaking of honoring the source material, I thought it was adorable that little baby Kal-El had an S curl. <laughs> that made me so happy. He's the, okay, that was the cutest baby. I don't know the baby's name, but that baby was adorable. Little Clark was so cute. Little Kal-El was so cute. 
Um, but yeah, that curl killed me. Yeah, that was that was a great little touch, and I liked how they kind of set up the fact that this was now a Supergirl story because what I thought was so smart was they started with Krypton. You kind of know what Krypton is, and then you see little baby Superman, and you you're like, as a viewer, I, I guess it, in my mind, this is how most viewers would be like, oh, this is this is I know Superman story. I know how that kind of starts. And they go, they kind of touch on the baby Kal-El thing, but not really. And then they go from his family to Kara's family. And I thought that was such a great transition that it was like, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to hook you in because you know this part of the story already. But now we're going to focus on this because this is what we want to tell you. And I, I just really liked that in terms of writing and how they transitioned everything. Yeah, and also directing. Um, mm-hmm. I think Glenn Winter was really great with his images in this in yes. this episode. Um, and, uh, I didn't talk about that much in my, uh, my review over at, uh, the Mary Sue, but like, uh, a lot of the visuals in this were really great and just uh, how he chose to, to, to frame certain things. And, and yeah, you're right. I mean, that's, that's all, you know, deciding to like, okay, and now we're going to shift the camera this way. And yes. now, you know, um, well, leaving Krypton for now. So we're following Kara in the pod. <laughs> she She's now here, t- you know, 24 years later. And so she's working at CatCo. And I, I do love the – a lot of people complained about it. I liked the Devil Wears Prada opening because it's so kind of incongruous, you know? Like you wouldn't expect a Supergirl story to start with Kara – ordering coffee and tickets for somebody on the phone. Like that's, uh, it's precisely because of that that I thought it was so fun because it's like unexpected and you wouldn't, you don't necessarily connect, you know, Kara Zorel with that life. So can I talk about how much I got out of that little phone call? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because that one little phone call makes me want to see some things. First of all, I thought it was interesting that, so Kara is, or she's trying to get tickets for Cat Grant's mother to go see Wicked. Yes, and that made me laugh because there's this. I've only seen Wicked once. I know some people have seen it like a million times, but I've seen it once. And what I remember of it was there's this big number kind of in the middle where Elphaba has this you know big thing where she starts flying on a broom, and I think the song is Defying Gravity. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I started thinking, I wonder if Kara has seen Wicked. Like, I wonder if she has those thoughts about flying that maybe Elphaba would in that show. Like, I just Mm. just started to kind of, like, connect. Like, I thought that was an interesting choice. Like, why put Wicked in the script? Why why put that in there? Um, You know, I hadn't thought about that because, like, Wicked is a show about embracing your power. Like, mm -hmm. that's exactly what it is. So that's, that's a great point. I mean, she could have gotten tickets to any show, I mean, any number of Broadway shows. And I, I thought it was a good choice that they put Wicked in there. And there was a lot of talk about Cat Grant's mother in this episode. Yes. And it, <laughs> it made it seem like, you know, Cat Cat's a handful. Cat seems like she is a little bit of a witch to her employees. And, we, and we've seen some of that in, in, the, in the premiere. But if she doesn't like her mother... Her, her mother must be a monster. And she says something like, you know, cancel the sushi with my mother. Oh, and cancel my therapist. I won't be needing it if I'm not having lunch with my mother. My mother, like, yeah. Like, I, I think that was my favorite Cat Grant line in the whole episode was that. Yes. And if if Cat Grant is difficult, 
then I want to know her mother. So I hope that we get to see her mother show up and kind of ruffle Kat's feathers a little bit because it reminds me of Jack Donaghy and his mother on 30 Rock. Um, <laughs> anytime Colleen Donaghy would show up, it was like red alert, we're in for some trouble. So I'm kind of, I'm like, this is now one of, on my wish, wish list of things to see in Supergirl. I want to meet Kat Grant's mother. Well, and it's funny because I would love to see that too. I think that would be a great idea. And also, I hope that if Kath Grant's mother does show up, that she loves Kara. Oh, like, yeah. I, I'm like, I would love to watch them get along and they get palsy and like, mm. oh my God, let's go get manicures together. And then <laughs> Kat's like, wait, what? Hold on. <laughs> that would be great. So yeah, I mean, let's let's talk a little about uh, about Kat Grant um, and her characterization um, and Callista Flockhart's performance. You know, I'm a big fan of the Daily Planet, and I I love the Cat Grant character as a reporter. And we we didn't get a whole lot of that in this episode, but there was something. There was a scene where Kara's kind of talking to Cat about the layoffs at the Tribune that she's you know gonna have to do because I guess Catco's not really cutting it because they don't have a superhero yet. And it seemed like that scene was kind of hitting a nerve with Kat because Kara says, you know, they don't have to downsize at the Daily Planet. And Kat says, you know, she ha- she kind of says it with a little bit of disdain. She's like, you know, Metropolis has a person who wears a cape and flies around performing heroic acts. You know, the the planet puts this superlative man on their cover 54% of the time. Like she she said it like she knew what was happening there. And and it sort of made me wonder, okay, why did Kat Grant get out of that? Was she unhappy with that? And so one of my big takeaways with Kat is, you know, what made her leave the Daily Planet? And are, are we going to see some of that kind of news stuff come? I mean, because we, we did see a little bit of her trying to get the scoop, get the, you know, get the news on Supergirl, get the picture and all of that stuff. So I'm really intrigued about her history with the Daily Planet because we got a mention of that. And I thought that was cool. Did she, we got a mention of the Daily Planet, but did we get a mention that Kat used to work there? Because I don't think in this universe she did. Like that was kind of, um, but I'm not, but but I might've missed something. That's true. I mean, technically there was no mention of her technically working there, but I'm kind of assuming because she does know about kind of, well, maybe, maybe it's just kind of common knowledge that, uh, you know, Superman is Metropolis's, you know, moneymaker for the daily planet and, um, and her, and her connection to James too. So I, I'm kind of assuming in that maybe a little too much, but, uh, well, I mean, it, it's it's very likely because I mean, I'm, well, it's 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 possible because you know, obviously, it's connected to the comics, and we might hear something about that later. Um, but I actually really liked that she she's kind of the Perry White of this, oh, like totally. she and she like I like that that she's kind of not a reporter. I like that she, she like she whether she left the Daily Planet and and started her own company or whether she did that on her own like I have a lot of respect for the fact that she doesn't just want to like write stories and and hunt down the news. She wants to like make the news. Yeah. She wants to create the conversations and like give Supergirl a name and and she wants to to kind of be in charge of that. And I think that's a really great place to take Cat Grant cuz like she always seemed um, it's in the comics. A lot of the time, she seems really ambitious, but she like lashes out at the wrong stuff. Mm. And I feel like in in this, like with with you know, she she has this whole 
media empire to run, um, she can do a lot more with her with her ambition than just kind of take swipes at people in the gossip column or like take swipes at people with an editorial about Supergirl in the paper. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, um, Kara even says that she kind of took the job with Kat because she was hoping to work for somebody who could influence the people and who was trying to make things better through Catco. So it does seem like Kat has tried to make some something of herself, like you said, to kind of be part of what not creates the news, but kind of influences how people see it. And I think, too, because um, there's been a lot of talk about, like, the uh, the feminism in Supergirl. And, like, you know, obviously there's that whole, you know, uh, what's wrong with being a girl conversation and all that. But I think something that hasn't been talked about that much um, with relation to Cat Grant is that because um, there's a lot of talk about, you know, obviously – like Cat Grant being like a witch in the workplace, you know, and kind of being uh, difficult about like what coffee she likes and the elevator being full of smelly people or like whatever. <laughs> and and yes, there is that. But then there's also and this, you know, is is just as much due to Callista Flockhart's performance as anything else. You know, she really does care. Like at the bottom of everything, like yes, in order to get to this this place where she owns this media empire, she, she, you, you have to kind of develop a thick skin and kind of be willing to, to fight for what you want and all of that. But she also does, like, she's not doing it to be mean. She's not doing it to, you know, just because she's a diva, you know, like she's doing it because she wants to build something. And I think we see glimmers of that, like when, when she acknowledges even begrudgingly that like Kara did a good job or yeah, like the Jib yeah. did a good job. Or, you know, when somebody brings her something of value, when somebody shows her that they are competent and that they are worth her time and that they're being they're, – they're kind of holding the same high standard that she is, she gives them respect. And she's like, oh, OK. All right. Finally, you're not useless. All right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like she's, she's willing to acknowledge that because I think she holds everybody to the same high standard that she holds herself. Well, and she- I thought that was interesting. Well, she does say that she's not used to being second best. So she de- right. she definitely has a standard. And um, one of my favorite things about Kat in this, and I, I don't know that I got a real sense of it in the promos and the trailers that we saw, but Kat Grant has this enormous wall of monitors behind her desk. <laughs> and I got serious monitor envy. Uh, and I think the set design for her office is just off the charts. Awesome. Like I want to live in that place and look at all of the things <laughs> on her monitors. And I thought it was cool that they even had, you know, a little bit of detail. I tried to get really close to my T. I mean, I have an HD TV screen that's, you know, a, f- a fairly large size, but, um, but even I couldn't see kind of all the details, but there were some things like there on, on her monitors, it was talking about like a, an auto a factory union dispute, and and some of the stuff, I mean, that's legit news that she was following. So yeah. I uh, I thought that was a, a nice little touch that she, you know, she seems like she's trying to uh, keep track of what is going on in the world. Yeah. I mean, and that's really how, she, you know, of, of course, somebody like Kat would be keeping track of what her competition's doing. Um, you know, the Daily Planet is, uh, you know, obviously not part of her empire. Maybe one day it will be. Who knows? <laughs> um, but she, you know, uh, like you want to keep 
tabs on what what everybody else is doing. What stories are other people getting? How can we get an exclusive? So, yeah, she's going to be keeping tabs on every single news outlet there is. <laughs> and that requires a lot of monitors. Yeah. And that's actually um, I used to work in uh, local TV news. And even in the smaller stations, you if you go into a newsroom, you'll see that you'll see that that they are kind of plugged into what the competition is airing. And if and if you were going to go to CNN or somewhere like that, they they would have the competition up there so they could say, oh, they're covering it this way or they covered this news, but this not this news item. So there there is uh, an element of that in real life. So I, I think that's cool. They use that with cat. Totally. And one last thing that I want to mention with cat uh, that I really hadn't uh, or at least Cat Co. that I had not put together until I watched the premiere was that Cat Co. has a helipad on top of the building. And yeah. I started to think, I foresee a helicopter rescue in the future of the series because um, <laughs> uh, it's it's not unusual for uh, a, a story with a super Kryptonian to have to save someone in a helicopter. So uh, I'm just <laughs> I'm just making a little bit of a prediction. Something something's going to malfunction with a helicopter at the top of Catco, and I think Supergirl is <laughs> going to have to save them. Uh, well, yes, we we will see what happens with that because uh, I don't think you're far off. Um, yeah, and it, and yeah, the set the set design in general is just great. Like and and details like that and and touches that can lead us to think about where they might go in the future. Um I mean, it's great. Uh shall we move on to our favorite grown man? Yes, let's do that. Uh, <laughs> uh so Makad Brooks making his debut as James Olsen, uh new to Catco as their art director. Um but having won a Pulitzer Prize for uh, taking the first photo of Superman, which apparently Superman posed for because he likes Jimmy. <laughs> um, what did you think about uh, about Jimmy uh, or James Olsen? Yes, James the Grown Man Olsen. Um, I was a little bit disappointed that he didn't get a bigger introduction. I kind of felt like the character of James Olsen should have like a big reveal, like a bit, you know, a big momentous thing. But it kind of was like, oh, he turned around and there he was. And so I was a little bit disappointed with that. But I kind of love throughout the episode that you find out that this whole time he's just been messing with Kara. And, yeah. <laughs> and that actually made me laugh a lot because I was like, he totally, that whole time, even even when he first meets her and he's like, anyone ever tell you you look a little like him? Like, he's messing with her there. Yeah. And that kind of won me over to James is that he has a little bit of a sense of humor. Now, that might have been a little cruel for him to do that. <laughs> but he had a little sense of humor and he was looking out for her. Like, he comes in and saves the day because... Cat's going to fire her. And yep. James comes into the office and is like, hey, hold up. I got some news. I'm going to cover your butt, Kara. And so I like that he got to play the hero a little bit in his own. And I think everybody in this in this show kind of did in their own way. And mm -hmm. um, so I was kind of won over by James throughout the episode. Oh, definitely. I love that they went in that direction with him that he because I was expecting him to to kind of, you know, tell her when he first meets her, like, hey, you know, guess what? I know your cousin and I'm here for you. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that they went the route of, of, you know, he's kind of, you know, trying to keep a low profile, but also trying to mess with her. <laughs> um, what I loved about, about uh, James and what I like about the performance that Brooks gives is that you can, you can see in his face that he really cares so much about both Clark and Kara. 
Um, like he, you could tell he feels like honored to kind of know these people yes. and, and that he, you know, gets to call them friends and that he believes in them. Like, like every single time, like when she asked him, like, you know, what's he like? And he says, you know, he's everything you'd expect and more, you know, um, you could see in his face that he really, he means it. He, there's, there's nothing cynical or ironic about his, um, love and appreciation for both Superman and now for Kara, knowing, you know, who she is and having met her. And and I thought that was really cool uh, to see that and that it was very and, – and, and I like that he's, you know, the grown man Olsen because, you know, with, with Jimmy Olsen a lot of times in the comics, he seems like this goofy young kid who's kind of like following – you know, Superman around like a puppy dog, whereas, you know, having a more mature performance, it, it really like it, it felt like more of a real emotion. It's not just a kid being impressed by a hero. It's no, we've we've been through a lot of stuff together and this is deep and this is real. And like, I have so much respect for for the kind of hero that your cousin is. And now I know you can do the same thing. Like it means more when he says it. Yeah, and I think that's going to help Kara out a lot when she's kind of new to the superhero game. And I, so I think James will be a great ally for her. And I kind of have always thought of Jimmy Olsen as kind of the ultimate Superman, Supergirl fanboy. So, uh, <laughs> so I like your point about how much respect he has for them and how much of an honor it is. Because I think he would think that that was something that, uh, you know, he wouldn't take that lightly. That yeah. someone, you know, uh, trusted him with, with you know, taking a, a specific picture or, um, you know, with their secret, like with Kara. So I, I I think he's going to be a, a great um, person for Kara to go to with her questions and her concerns. <laughs> the fact, like, and I would not blame Jimmy for this at all, but it's kind of creepy and insulting that, like, that Superman would send somebody to kind of spy on Kara and keep an eye on her. Like, you know, like, and he's always, we, we've talked about this in, like, you know, especially in the the animated versions of Superman where where he can't, like, let go of the fact that, like, Kara can, you know, make her own decisions and, and do her own thing. And, you know, it's like, but you got to send, like, your your friend to, to go stalk her and make sure she's okay. Like, no. Yeah. Um, but that's more Superman's fault. That's not James's fault. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Um, but to Superman's credit, I thought he gave James some really good advice. He told him the biggest risk is never taking any. And uh, I, I was like, well, that sounds like advice Superman would give somebody. So I, I like that it sort of seems like James is kind of, you know, he moved to National City to kind of start his own life and kind of yeah. fi find himself. And that's what Kara is going to have to do as well in the series. So I think that's cool that Kara is going to have somebody who she's on a similar path with. Ultimately, you know, Superman at the end of the day wants people to be their best selves. I think that's one of the things that kind of defines Superman is that he he's encouraging everybody to kind of be a hero in whatever way they can be. And uh, even if that means, you know, separating from from his best friend and telling him to, like, go follow his dreams elsewhere, even if it means leaving Metropolis, you know, and. Giving Kara the, the gift of, of his blanket, I thought was really cool, too. Um, that kind of passing the torch moment, I think, was really important. And ultimately, what makes him the hero he is, is that he does have a big heart. And at the end of the day, he has her best interest at heart. And um, I like that moment with the blanket, just because I think in the episode, it, I it had so much more of an impact on me personally, um, having seen the context of the beginning, 
with the little baby Callow and seeing him in the blanket, um, mm-hmm. knowing, you know, just having somebody tell you like, oh, this is his blanket there, you know, there's that, but it doesn't really mean much. But seeing him use it and kind of connecting that um, for Kara and for Cal, for Kal-El, that's their home world. That's mm-hmm. some that's something tangible that they can have to hold and to be close to. And I think for her to now have that, I think means so much more for her. And to, to be honest, it means more to me um, as a viewer to see that for her. So yeah, I like that scene at the end too with the blanket. Yeah, no. And, and, and it's, it's true. Cause you got to remember she was there. Like she saw him in the blanket like yeah. that. It's, it's very real to her. And so they were very good at translating what she would feel to us. That's true. Well, let's move on to the other uh, gentleman in uh, in in Kara's sphere lately. Um, Winshot. Uh, what did you think of uh, Win's character and also Jeremy Jordan's uh, portrayal? I liked that he. I liked that Win is a little bit of a conspiracy theorist because there's a little bit of me in that as well. I like to watch you know JFK documentaries and. Um, you know, figure out what has happened with the world's biggest mysteries. And it sort of, <laughs> it, it sort of seems like when is like that. Although I did think it was weird that he and Kara had this conversation about aliens and Kara's like, oh, aliens don't exist. I'm like, but Superman is in the world. <laughs> like, yeah, people, it's not like know people don't this. know. <laughs> yeah. Like it, there is confirmed alien in the world. Um, so that was weird. Um, so they might have should have taken that out because it did not make any sense. Um, but I I love uh, Wen as a character so far. Um, I think his crush on Kara is actually kind of adorable. I don't know where it's going to go, but I liked and I'm sort of mixed on this little moment where she takes off her glasses and he's like, you're really pretty without your glasses. Part of me is like, oh, that's nice that he complimented her. But then part of me is like, well, can't girls with glasses be pretty too? Like, right. <laughs> you know, I wear, I wear glasses in contacts. What, what's wrong with corrective lenses? <laughs> um, so, so I'm a little mixed on that moment. So when's going to have to win me back over? Um, but, I, but I thought he was, for the most part, a likable guy. And I enjoyed his moments with Car, And I liked his little whoopow. Um, yeah. So he's, he's going to be uh, fun to hang out with. Yeah, well, it's funny. See, I have my my feelings about Win are more mixed than that. Um, I, I like uh, Jeremy Jordan's performance as the character. Like, like I think they're they're kind of directing him and guiding him in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. But to me, Winshot kind of feels like like kind of like one of those quote nice guys, like the nice guys who are nice until you until they they think they have no shot with you and then mm. they'll snap. Yeah. Like they like he he kind of like like the second she meant she mentioned she had a date, he was like, "Oh, a date? What? Oh, who's <laughs> who's that with?" And and I liked that moment. It was funny, don't get me wrong, cuz yeah. I've certainly I've certainly been on that side of the table where like somebody I like is, you know, talking about their date in front of me and I'm like, moment. "Yeah. That's great. I'm totally thrilled that you found this person that you like. That's awesome." <laughs> um but um there's also like there's there's something in his performance that was kind of like underlying like menace a little bit like like there's certain certain times where he'd talk about Kara and he'd seem like a little too bitter to me um, and maybe it was just me but um, it, it just seemed kind of like like they might be going somewhere with this is what I'm saying like I feel like eventually his feelings about Kara are gonna like come to a head and he's gonna like 
I don't know. And maybe this is just the, the, the toy man influence. And I know he's not his dad, but like, I just feel like there's something bubbling under the surface there that makes me kind of not comfortable. Yeah, no, I could totally see them going that route because he does have a very clear crush on Kara. And it, it doesn't seem like, you know, Kara, I think, sees him as a friend and sees him as somebody she can confide in. But I don't know that she has those feelings for him. Right. And so if they're not returned, how does he react? So I right. think it is it is possible they could go in that direction. But yeah, I mean, uh, again, the performance was great. And I think it's it's very kind of complex. I just I don't entirely feel comfortable when like him and Kara, I mean, Obviously, Cara can take care of herself. Listen, she could throw him through a building. But like, (laughs) you know, I I kind of still just because I know she wouldn't want to do that. Like, I feel uncomfortable whenever they're alone together because I'm like, is he going to is this the part where he's going to kind of snap and, and, you know, (laughs) and be really inappropriate all of a sudden? I don't know. I just get this vibe. So hopefully that's unwarranted and hopefully he will suss out his feelings and, and, you know, be cool about it at the end of the day. But I just don't know. Moving on to the uh, the Black Ops portion of the, the show, <laughs> let's talk about the DEO. Um, and I, I really would love to talk about uh, Alex uh, Danvers because yes, I would too. Um, I think you know their relationship is is really something to watch, and it's and it's really well portrayed. But uh, Rebecca, what do you think of Alex and her relationship with Kara and uh, Kyler Lee's performance? I my when I think about Alex in the premiere, I think about that moment when she, when she's sort of like rappelling down. Is it, is it rappelling? Do you rappel down or do you rappel up? I don't know. Um, <laughs> she was she was coming down from the helicopter to kind of rescue Supergirl who's been yeah. damaged, and she has a great reveal where like she pulls that helmet or whatever she's wearing off, and I was like, she's kind of got her own little super moment right there. So I I love that they are playing her as someone who is very capable. She's very good at her job. I, I noticed they mentioned that she has a background in bioengineering. And so that that aspect of her character about the science thing that she's going to be involved with, it, she does seem to be a scientist. So she's very smart. Um, and she's very uh, physically able to do a lot of these black op things. And so I like that she is, like, e- even in that moment when she rescues Kara, I really loved it. Uh, from an Alex standpoint and a sisterly standpoint that Kara was scared. Supergirl was scared. She'd been hurt. And um, she said she had never felt pain like that before. And so she probably didn't know what to do. And Alex was like cradling her. Like she was mm-hmm. like, it's okay. I'm here. You're going to be fine. And she was comforting her. And I was like, I love their relationship so much because in that moment, Alex was the hero for her and she was the person who could save the day. And so I like that everything about this episode, even even when she was being overly protective, she had a reason to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I loved, yeah, I love that they both shared that hero's instinct and they, they both are capable of being heroes. And I also love that they both have secrets that they're hiding from each other or <laughs> yeah. that they're, you know, like, like, or that they both have secrets that they're hiding. And this is something else that I remember that I was uh, doing on uh, Monday's live tweet from the Supergirl Radio Twitter account uh, where, <laughs> you know, when it's revealed that Alex works for the DEO. I kind of imagined Kara saying like, wait, secret identities are my thing. Yeah. Like you, you don't get to have secrets. Like I'm the one with the secrets and the powers. Um, but I think it's interesting that they're kind of balancing them in that way. Like for every, for everything that's cool about Kara, there's something equally cool about 
Alex. Yeah. And I like that they, they kind of, um, there's a give and take between them that, that, is really balanced because, you know, for all of Supergirl's power, yes, there was something that made her bleed, yeah. you know, and, and she needed to be taken care of. And, and Alex was there to do that. Um, also really interesting. And, and I think, by the way, that uh, Kyler Lee is, is, you know, did an awesome job in this pilot with this part because there was a lot of tiny little nuanced emotions that I saw kind of flickering over her face the whole time. And a part of that, I feel like she... You know, there's the jealousy over, you know, Kara having these powers and growing up with somebody who has those powers. And, and you know, so there's there's the jealousy involved, but there's also like I'm a human being and she's not. And she's she's taken this job with the D.E.O. with Hank Henshaw, who we'll get to in a minute. But needless to say, he's very suspicious of aliens. And I feel like everybody who works at the D.E.O. Ha- kind of has a certain underlying suspicion of aliens that they're kind of – always dealing with. So for Alex, even though she has a sister who's an alien, there's a part of her that's always on her guard, you know, and Mm -hmm. there's a part of her that's like, oh, well, my sister's cool, but aliens are still a problem. And she's kind of (laughs) walking that tightrope between, you know, her love of her sister and dealing with the threats that she deals with every day. Yeah, I really appreciated that they were not going to shy away from her feelings about her sister and about the jealousy, like you said, uh, about what Kara can do. And the moment, the moment that springs to mind is she, you know, she's at Kara's door, which I thought was a little lazy of Kara that she used her x-ray vision to see who was at the door. (laughs) Even though I thought it was cute that Alex is like, I know you can see me. I know you, I know what you're doing, but I was like, Kara, you couldn't get up and answer the door. Anyway. Um, I really appreciated the, the whole line where she says, you know, before you came to live with us, I was the star. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious as to what life was like for Alex, uh, before Kara showed up and, you know, it's, it's tough to be that honest with someone. And I think Mm. the fact that she shared her insecurities in a real way, I, and she admitted her feelings and her fears and her insecurities. And I thought that was so big of Alex to do. Yeah. I mean, it's a testament to their relationship too. Like, I feel like despite you know, their differences and all of that, that they grew up kind of really close. Um, I mean, the fact that in the beginning of the episode, you know, Alex shows up and helps her pick out an outfit for a date, yes. you know, like, like they, they clearly are very close and they, they have like a strong sisterly bond, even though they're not related. Um, I think that's really cool to see. I think it's important to see um, strong kind of genuine female relationships on on uh, TV that aren't based on like who's dating who and that, you know, like it's not, there's no ulterior motives. There's nothing like that. It's just, they, they genuinely care about each other, even with all the complicated stuff. And that's why I think it's so heartbreaking when Supergirl feels betrayed about Alex not telling her, her about her involvement with the DEO. I, I noticed that there was like a hands um, kind of visual that went throughout the episode, which I thought was very interesting. Um, when when Supergirl or Kara finds out that Alex is working for the DEO, um, Alex kind of uh, grabs for her hand while Supergirl's on the table, and and Kara like pulls it away. She doesn't want to have anything to do with Alex. She's like, "No, you lied to me. You kept this from me. I don't want to have anything to do." Um, with you right now, I'm mad with you, and so she won't hold her hand. And then when um, Alex tries to go and make up with her about the whole thing, and she brings that hologram of Allura's to Kara's apartment, 
Um, and, you know, Kara's gotten really emotional and Alex knows that she needs some comfort. And so she reaches her hand out and that's when Kara takes it. And I thought that was really nice because it showed that their relationship had been broken, but it had also been mended. And I I also, uh, the way Glenn Winter had shot that, the way they framed it was very much a parallel to when um, Superman takes the young Kara to the Danvers house and there's a shot of Superman holding the young Kara's hand. And I was just like, oh, the way that they shot this with all the hands and everything, it just, it just cool. It was, it was just cool to me because when you hold someone's hand, you're, you're connected to them and you're saying, Hey, I'm here with you. I'm here for you. And I, I just thought that was really nice. Well, and I think it's it's interesting to think about that because um, that, that's very true. I, I agree with you, and I thought that was beautifully done. And I think that um, something that distinguishes uh, Supergirl from um, a lot of other you know superhero shows or properties is, I mean, the fact that she is female um, and the fact that she is you know on the younger side. I mean, she's not you know she's in her twenties. She's an adult, but um, is that you know women and girls tend to deal best with community. Mm-hmm. They're they're kind of taught to to be social. They're taught to to uh, connect with each other, um, and so. It's interesting to see, like, whereas, you know, Batman, for example, it's like, I, I must work alone. Like, you know, it's, Except it's with very... Batman, he has, like, the strongest supporting character cast in the history oh. of comics, which is, yeah, so, yeah. which is so funny about Batman. He's, like, a loner, but he's also got Robin, well, several Robins and the Huntress and, and Batgirl and Alfred and Catwoman and all these people. So yeah. even a loner kind of needs somebody to kind of reach into their lives. Right. Oh, definitely. But what I'm saying is like from the very beginning, like we I feel like the Supergirl as a show is kind of showing us that like for Kara, reaching out to people is very important. Oh, uh, like sure. like as far as like with the hand holding with the, you know, it's all about the people she surrounds herself with to to allow herself to be the hero that she can be. Like um, she recognizes that straight away. Whereas for, you know, a lot of other, like (laughs) the thing that always bothers me about superhero stuff is the whole, like, I can't tell anyone in my life what I do because it'll put them in danger. And I have to like, you know, lie to everyone I know because like, I know what's best for them and I have to protect them and I have to do this alone. And it's like, you know, maybe if you told me yeah. that you were a superhero, I might be able to keep myself out of danger. Thanks. Exactly. Um, so with Supergirl, it's very much about her, like, getting the right people around her and, and having, like, a support system from the beginning. I think it's really awesome to see a hero have that because as, like, a role model, you know, like, you don't have to do this by yourself. Like, here's a hero who also reaches out for people and knows that she needs people. And she makes a a definite decision to do that with Wynn. Now with James, he already kind of knew and Alex kind of already knew, but with Wynn, she sees that he's someone she can open up to and tell. And so that's why she shows him what she can do. And so I think that sets her apart from other, maybe other superheroes is that she, she doesn't do it because she's gotten caught. 
She right. does it because she wants, she wants to. to share that with someone. And that was one of my favorite moments of the pilot is that she just needed to tell somebody so bad and not just tell somebody like she like telling the world. Obviously, she saved a plane. A lot of people saw that she did that. I mean, they didn't know who she was, but they saw it. But like she wanted to tell somebody and have them be as happy as she was like because, you know, she she's talking to Alex and Alex is raining on her parade. And it's like, well, you're welcome for me saving your life, yeah. lady. But um, <laughs> it's like, never mind that. But yell at me, please. Um, but. You know, she wanted to tell somebody and, and like do her little like happy dance with them. Like, <laughs> and so uh, I think it was cool that to see that, that like she just wanted to share that she can do this cool stuff and she's happy about it. And she just wanted somebody to be like, yay, Kara, go you or yay, Kara, go you. Yeah. Um, and she surrounded herself with people who can help her, who can yeah. use their abilities to do that. You know, when helps her with the costume and kind of the police scanner and Alex can help her with her alienness and um, James can kind of help her understand what it's like to be a hero. So she's kind of surrounded herself with people who uh, she can not only be herself with, but who can offer their abilities to help in her mission. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. It's like really the DEO um, and we, we should get to Hank Henshaw. um, The DEO really does give her a mission because yes, she can, you know, stop crimes, just regular crimes, but there's there's also a greater mission of protecting Earth, you know, like there there's the the day to day hero stuff that she can do, like stopping bank robberies and murders and, and stuff like that. But then there's like, what about humanity, like saving, you know, saving humanity from the, the larger threats? And I think that the DEO provides her with the the bigger mission that I think she was looking for. Oh, yeah. Um, but Hank doesn't seem to, you know, warm to it as very quickly. No, he, um, he flat out says he does not like aliens. He doesn't trust them. Yeah, let's let's talk about um, David Harewood and uh, Hank Henshaw and what a crabby pants he is. <laughs> um, well, um, the thing I really liked, um, you know, I was talking about how James didn't really have like a really cool reveal. I thought Hank Henshaw had a great reveal um, when Supergirl is laying down on the table and she, you're kind of seeing things from her perspective and she's kind of still out of it. And so it's kind of this blurry, racked out shot and you see Hank. And I thought that was that said so much to me about Hank Henshaw as a character that like he's sort of he's sort of blurry. He's sort of um, you don't know what to make of him. And so I thought that was a really good choice to have him introduced in that way because he may end up being a character that could um, be someone who is a little bit shady. We don't know yet. But um, I I liked that aspect of his character in the episode. But I was also a little disappointed, though, because they called him Director Henshaw. And I was like, what? Does this mean no Director Bones? I want want a Director Bones at the DEO so badly because he's such a weird character and that would be so fun to see on on TV. Um, So that's a little disappointing. So if I had to put another thing on my checklist, another thing on my wish list, I would want to see a Director Bones. So maybe Hank Henshaw has someone he reports to. But um, <laughs> but I but I liked that he um, he was kind of hard on Kara because he made her question some of the things like really think about what she was doing. And right. at the same time, he was also very supportive of Alex. I like the moment where um, she asks him point blank, you know, am I here because of my sister? And he's like, well, 
yeah, you are, but you stay because you're awesome. Yeah. So I, I like that he supports the people he um, he trusts and sees potential in. Definitely. And he, he's totally he, – he's that like – that sports coach who's like really, really <laughs> hard on you and like yelling at you all the time, but it's only because he wants you to be your best. Yes. I think that's that's something that I think he and uh, – and Cat Grant actually have in common. It's like they they hold That's themselves a to a high standard. Uh, they hold the people they work with to a high standard. And yeah, they'll yell at you. Yeah, they'll be you know crabby. But you know, at the end of the day, I think like the entire time he was kind of being like, okay, well, because he kept seeing you know where it would lead. He kept allowing you know Kara to continue doing what she was doing. And so as many objections as he had about it, he was still willing to give it a chance because he could have very easily been like, Alex, no, take your sister out of here. Don't let her you know reveal her powers again we you know they could have kept her under with kryptonite like you know yeah so the fact that he was willing to give it a try was was huge and um and it was really interesting considering you know who hank who hank henshaw is in the comics um i think it'll be interesting to watch him develop and kind of keep an eye on how hard he is on people and and his suspicion of aliens versus you know where else he could go yeah now let's let's get to the villains because as we know, whoopsie daisy, uh, Kara when she came out of the Phantom Zone, she you know also came out with Fort Roz, which is a Kryptonian prison full of all sorts of ne'er do wells and evildoers uh, that have been put away. Some of the the universes, or at least the galaxies, uh, worst criminals. So now we've got kind of a a source of lots of villainy um, in that the the prison also landed on Earth, and now all of these supervillains are kind of free. One of whom is Vartox, whom we met in this episode. Uh, what did you think of him? I, I thought he was good. I thought he was very um, intense, and I thought he was good in in terms of being an a villain like he wanted to mess supergirl up and i was really impressed with uh with how they were not shy about him having to say all right well i'm not you know there's no there we're not i'm not going to worry about civilian casualties if that happens that happens like as a villain i think that's good because he tries to do what he says he's going to do and i think that's what makes some of the best villains um i was intrigued by him having a connection to the commander. We saw the the guy who's supposed to be the commander who reports to the general who we'll talk about in a little bit. But, um, but I thought he was, I mean, he wasn't a real fleshed out character. I don't think, Yeah. but um, yeah. in terms of just somebody who was wanting to rough Supergirl up, I thought he was good. Um, I thought he looked good. Um, what Vartox brought to the table in terms of story is that he mentioned that Allura was the Fort Roz judge and jailer and how since he couldn't do anything to Alora, he was going to go after her daughter. And that's what sparked my interest in that because I was like, ooh, Alora had a really important job on Krypton and she probably took a lot of heat for turning in those bad guys. So um, yeah. I, I, w- I wonder if they're all going yep. to have that animosity towards Alora and her daughter. Definitely. No, I, I loved that motivation that the fact that like a lot of these guys are going to be coming after her and ladies, I'm sure, are going to be coming after her because of Allura and because they were put away by her mother out of revenge. Um, that's an interesting motivation. I have to say I wasn't crazy about Vartox 
just because he, I mean, and I understand it's the pilot and you, you know, you're trying to appeal to kind of a wide audience that might include kids and you want to make it a very clear cut villain. Um, but my favorite villains are often the ones that are more, you know, complex. They have more, you know, it's not just about brawn. Whereas like Vartox was just like, I punch things. Like he was very like one note kind of, I'm going to kill you. And and cut into you with his hatchet and that was it so the, pretty much the she just had to out strength him long enough yeah i definitely agree that he was kind of one note as a villain because uh i think you're totally right that he was the brawn whereas the general um a possible uh <laughs> relative of supergirl is uh she's the one pulling the strings so she's kind of the brains behind the operation whereas vartox was kind of the brawn so he did he didn't really have as much um, to do in the episode. So in that way, he was a little bit of a disappointing villain, and, and especially in terms of the bigger villain, the bigger baddie that's on Supergirl. I think he was he was kind of weak. But I did enjoy that they they were not, they literally did not pull any punches with him fighting Supergirl. Um, he clearly threw, oh, yeah. threw his fist up her chin and with this huge uppercut, like, there was no, um, oh, she's a girl, don't hit her. Like, he went after her. And I actually really yeah. appreciated that. I know that sounds terrible, but as a superhero fight, I appreciated that he did not downplay her as someone he needed to defeat. Definitely. I mean, she was getting thrown around like a rag doll. Like, yeah. she was getting thrown into trucks, into sides of buildings. They tore up um, that street. And it was cool. And, I, and yeah, I I mean, I get what you mean about like it sounding horrible, but it, it really doesn't because I get what you're saying in that like he he respected her as an opponent. Yes. That's, and that's he, exactly I mean, they're both they're both aliens and they both, you know, he knows how strong she is on this planet. Like they, you know, so there's no reason for him to pull his punches. And and yeah, that fight was pretty intense. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, the, the fight scenes were great. Um, and she did use her heat vision, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully Vartox is the simplest villain we'll deal with and they'll only get more interesting and complex from here um but now let's let's wrap up the discussion and just general thoughts favorite moments um overall what did you think of the pilot well are we not going to talk about the more complex villain and at the end of the episode oh that's right duh yeah because that reveal like hit every note with me I love villains and I oh. love and I love that um this evil Aunt Astra who we found out about um she was not shy about about like she um she said mm-hmm. she said um find her and kill her so casually like it was no big thing and I I kind of love that about her like Laura Benanti is going to be a great villain I I appreciate that she can play the really soft moments with Kara and the really emotional beats. But then when she is like full on villain, she is fun to watch. And um, it also really fed into my soap opera love because she is an evil twin sister. (laughs) That is such a soap opera play. I love it. So I am so giddy about Aunt Astra and what she brings to the table. And um, I thought it was really interesting. There were some um, kind of post-mortem articles that came out after the episode. And Andrew Kreisberg had some really 
um, thoughtful things to say about why they chose to do this with Astra, um, because he, he confirmed that she is a completely original character that was created for the show, so she's not in the comics. Um, and he said, we thought it was really exciting that the villain be part of Kara's family that Kara thought was dead. But beyond that, she's her mother's twin sister. Even though it's not her mother, the big bad of the, the year wears her mother's face. And he also talked about how, like, when she goes to punch an Astra, she's basically punching her mother. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's a really interesting point, that that would make it so hard for Kara emotionally. So I think this idea of this evil twin sister is just all kinds of awesome. Yeah, it really, really is. I love that. I, I agree. I, I love that the villain, the big bad for the season, as it were, um, is connected to Kara's family, connected to Krypton. Um, and I also love that it's a female big bad. Yes. Like it's, it's, you know, I love that all of the major players in on the show are women mm-hmm. and really the, the, you know, the, the, the cast of the show, it's like James Olsen and Winshot and, and Hank Henshaw. Yes. So three of them. Um, but like all of the major players are, are female and that's really, really cool to see just the, like, I didn't realize how. It was in that moment at that, you know, end reveal, which, by the way, was executed beautifully because I thought the episode was over. And then I was like, oh, wait, there's one more shot. What's like it felt kind of like one of those, uh, you know, like if you see a DC or a Marvel movie and they have like a cut scene at the end of the credits. Yeah, it's like a post credit like, tease. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's very much um, like what The Flash does at the end of their episodes. Yes, yes. And it it felt very much like that. And um it was done really well. And I was like, oh, wait, there's more. Okay. And then I was like, what? <laughs> so um, it was really well done. And I'm I'm thrilled to see what happens next with her. Definitely. I like your point about how she um, she's a character uh, in power. I mean, they call her the general. She's ahead of all of their operations. And I was sort of laughing because... Astra sort of, you know, Allura in this series, she's, you know, the warm mother who cares about her daughter and inspires her daughter, where Astra, I feel like, is they they dumped all of the terrible aspects of Allura onto Astra. You know, like all the stuff we did not like about Allura, I think this chick is going to be it. Ah. So <laughs> I'm excited to see where it goes with her. But at the same time, it's interesting because, you know, uh, Allura was the the jailer of the, you know, of Fort Ross. And like, um, just like, you know, and a lot of, uh, you know, when we get into the more complex Allura, uh, particularly in the Sterling Gates run on Supergirl, sometimes her her ideas about justice and, you know, what that means get carried, you know, a little step too far. And maybe, you know, like obviously to Kara, she is this warm, loving person. But I bet there are a lot of other people who have a very different opinion of what Allura is. True. Um, so it's it, it'd be interesting to see kind of what um, – actually, this, this thought just popped into my head the second um, – uh, that it's another sister relationship. And so you see kind yes. of, um, you know, Allura and Astra – uh, looking at them kind of compared to Kara and Alex and, you know, what, what does it mean to be somebody's sister? What are you jealous of? What do you wish they had? And then ultimately, how does that define you as a person? Like for Allura, it seems like, or if, rather for Astra, it seems like she allowed the jealousy to take over. Yes. Whereas with Kara and Alex, it's like, yeah, there are things they wish they had about each other, but at the end of the day, they, 
they love each other and that mm-hmm. one out. Yeah. So it's like this. So we get to see kind of how the relationship could have gone wrong. Exactly. <laughs> That's a great point. Uh, but yes, now we can get into final thoughts. Um, uh, you know, what did you think of the pilot? Favorite moments? Your overall impressions? Well, uh, Favorite moment um, probably was the rescue of Flight 237. I, you know, we had seen that in the trailers and the promos, but really in the, maybe it was seeing it on my TV in HD, maybe in a bigger screen, maybe it had more of an impact, but like you could hear the creaking of, of the plane as, as Carl was trying to kind of grab her hands into it to hold it. Like you could, like I could feel how hard that was for her. And I, I didn't get that impression um, just on my little YouTube screen. So I, I thought that whole sequence was way more awesome in the context of the pilot um, because you could see just how much she was struggling with that. So that's, like, hands down, probably my favorite sequence. Um, I'm really excited for Melissa. I think she's going to be a great Supergirl. Uh, I'm keeping my eye on Laura, Laura Benanti in whatever um, version of her character she shows up as. And um, <laughs> uh, when I was thinking about the pilot, um, I, I, this this quote kind of came to mind. Um, I listened to an episode of the Nerdist Writers Panel podcast, which if, oh, yeah. you, if you're, you know, uh, uh, an aspiring writer or you just like TV or comic books or whatever, that's a great podcast to listen to. Um, and in one of the panels, someone described the purpose of a pilot as, quote, an argument for the existence of a series, unquote. And I think that is such a great way to look at pilots because if, if any of my favorite shows, I'm not like, my favorite episode is the pilot. Um, and that's right. just that's just the way it is because, you know, once you get into the show, like it get it should get better. Um, but I think what the Supergirl pilot did is it made an argument for the existence of the series. I think it it said this is what this show is. This is the world we're in. And this is what it's going to be like. And I thought I think the pilot set up the existence of the series very well. The show what the pilot showed me is that this is a show that I know I will love. Yeah. Um, as far as favorite moments, um, it's more a favorite series of moments. But pretty much every time Kara and Alex had a scene together, yeah, those those were my favorite. Like I found myself like my ears were perking up and I was kind of sitting up straight or paying attention when they were on screen together because I think um, the characters are so interesting, their relationship is so interesting, and I think that uh, Melissa Benoist and Kyler Lee as actors have great chemistry together. I agree. Um, and uh, so I, I really am keeping an eye on that relationship because I love that that's kind of at the center of things and that they and that it's not like a romantic love relationship, that it's not a man woman relationship in any like other like obviously, you know, it's not like a it's not competitive. It's not anything else. It's 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 kind of rare that we get this kind of focus on sisters. Yes. Um, in this way where it's not like, you know, they're, they're kind of clawing each other's eyes out, you know what I mean? Like, like on, on the soap operas or what have <laughs> you, where like, it's always like, you know, you always see sisters and they're like, you know, gouging out eyes. But this, this relationship seems very real and very, and complex in the way it would really be complex. Oh, it's yeah. not, you know, drama for drama's sake. Um, so I think that was my favorite thing about the episode overall. I mean, there were, there's some great one-liners, there's some great, you know, stuff. Um, uh, and I, I wrote this in my my Mary Sue review. The, the the one problem I had was that they kept, you know, kind of hitting it on the head about you know oh what because she's a girl oh because she's a girl yeah. like they they kept saying that over and over. And after like the the 
jillionth time. I was like, I get it. Like, it's, it's okay. <laughs> um, but again, in what we're talking about, about what a pilot is supposed to do, uh, I feel like they were just getting it out of their system. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. this is what the show is. And now we're never going to say it again, or at least that's <laughs> the hope. I, I hope yeah. that uh, and, and any kind of, you know, fem- feminist or girl power uh, lessons and, and, and stories that we get, we, we get to see that happening. And we don't have to have them tell us, hey, this is what this is. This is aren't, you know, women great, like that they could be a little more subtle now that they've gotten it out of their system. So that's what I'm hoping. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought it was it was uh, really well done. It was like kind of a perfect little nugget. Um, it did everything a pilot was supposed to do. It was exactly spot on for what the show is going to be. And, um, and I thought all of the actors, like not just Melissa Benoist and Kyler Lee, but everybody kind of brought their A game. And I love that. Like everybody was like, there's not anybody on this cast that was like phoning it in because it's just a superhero show, you know, like everybody was like taking their character very seriously. They were, they were bringing it like, this is a, a solid ensemble and I'm looking forward to seeing them work together. Um, well, that is it. I mean, I feel like this is going to be a very supersized episode of uh, Supergirl Radio, but it is the pilot, so it's kind of warranted. Now, we actually know that the Supergirl series premiere pulled in 12.96 million viewers. Um, so it, it did really, really well. Yes. It's ha- it had one of the biggest uh, – one of uh, actually, I think it had the fall's biggest uh, premiere yes. so far. Um, we asked for some feedback while we were live tweeting. Um, let's hear what some of our, uh, uh, a a few of Supergirl's viewers had to say about the pilot. At 94 Beyond said it was what I expected. Fabulous. At Craigamus Max, uh, said it was lots of fun. Dialogue was a bit clunky slash cheesy at times, but a good pilot. Melissa Benoist looks great in the Supergirl costume. Uh, at WT Fangirl blog said, love the idea of parallels between the two sets of sisters. Love James Olsen and his speech at the end. And Benoist was perfect. And at Wahoo FX said, got goosebumps when she flew for the first time. Tuning in next week for sure. At PotterFan92 said, it was amazing. It reminded me of Spider-Man slash Chris Reeves Superman. Hmm. At uh, CMA Valenzuela said the show hit every point, smiley face. And at Movie Man 017 said it was awesome. Nothing like Smallville, which I would say is probably a good thing or a bad thing, (laughs) depending (laughs) depending on how you uh, view that. Depending on your point of view. Yes. Um, At TNSBAW said I'm a huge TV junkie and that's my favorite pilot ever. It makes my heart soar. Um, at M Hare, H-E-R-R, 1979, said it was a great start. Excited for next week. At Mario U Comics says, the show needs more interesting villains. Hopefully they aren't all villain of the week and look dull. Melissa is fine, but they need to make the villain just as compelling and not a throwaway, which we were talking about just earlier. Yep. Um, Jared uh, Mithrander says, good pilot. Let's hope it gets even better. Alex underscore Chapman says, Melissa, Kyler, and McCod are my standouts. Uh, at Kenny Crayley, or Crawley, K-R-A-L-Y, says, great first episode. I enjoyed every minute of Supergirl, and Melissa Benoist is awesome in the role. T. Kyle King says, if Jeff Goldblum's character from The Big Chill wrote a People article about the L's, <laughs> he'd call it the last hope diet. 
I am um, ashamed to say okay. that I don't know The Big Chill very well, so um, I'm going to have to go and watch it to understand the joke about the Last Hope Diet. So um, yeah, I have some homework to do. I know. I'm like, I haven't seen The Big Chill in years, but um, hopefully somebody out there got it and thought that was amusing. Um <laughs> U.S. underscore TV underscore addict uh, said, loved the Supergirl pilot. Melissa Benoist was fantastic as Kara. Fierce and human. Can't wait for your podcast. Well, now you're listening to it. Enjoy that. Um, Angelic Mouse Girl said, I love that they chose the color blue for her heat vision since when fire is blue, it's in one of its hottest states. Um, and I agree with that. I, I noticed, too, that the uh, that her heat vision was blue. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly when I turn my gas on. It's not a red flame <laughs> when I'm putting, you know, stuff on to cook. Yeah. And, um, um, and you'll notice this when you actually watch Man of Steel. But uh, I thought it was a nice touch that the way her heat vision kind of went out of her face was very similar to what they did in Man of Steel with uh, Clark slash Kal-El's heat vision is that it almost seemed like it was very hard. Like it took a lot of effort to get the heat vision out. So I appreciated that little, little nod to Man of Steel. Uh, B-Man923 sent us two tweets. First, he said, I love the premiere. Can't wait until next week. And then said, I can't believe how rude Hank and Kat are to Kara. She can crush them in so easily and she won't. She needs more respect. And we agree. Um, Jay Tennessee says, pretty fun pilot. I Ancient Ones said, superb, very exciting. Spartan Town also sent us two tweets, said, I think we're in love with Melissa Benoist, aren't we all? <laughs> and uh, uh, also said, Supergirl is fantastic. It wears its feminism proudly, while Melissa Benoist captures the charm and exuberance that Reeve did. At Corey Marie 21 said, it's 100% perfect, especially Melissa Benoist. This is my Supergirl. This is the character I've loved her so long. At G. Wilkes, uh, W-I-L-K-S-C-H, sorry if I butchered that, paid us a really high compliment, I thought. Uh, tweeted, annoyed I can no longer listen to Supergirl radio now because I have to wait to see Supergirl in Australia. Double blow. Hashtag grumpy. And we're very sorry. About, we're very sorry you have to wait, but hopefully you'll you'll start listening to us again once you, uh, the episodes start airing in Australia. At Sonic Villa said it was super awesome. At Pacing Pete said it was great. Melissa Benoist is terrific and love her take on Supergirl. And at Scanner51 uh, tweeted, my little girl has been waiting all day for this moment and included a really awesome picture of <laughs> um, his little girl, like fist up in the air, excited that Supergirl was on. So that was very, very cute to see. Definitely. I love that photo. And you could see it on our Twitter feed. We also got an email from one of our listeners, Corinne, who writes, quote, this pilot was everything I could hope for. Yeah, it had your traditional pilot drawbacks, like having to cram a lot of exposition in, but it also hit the tone that reminded me of how much I love this character. Melissa Benoist is perfect, and I could not see anyone doing any better than she is. This is the Kara that Sterling Gates captured so well in his run on the title. The Kara that Paul Kupperberg molded into a brilliant, independent young woman. The Kara that Marv Wolfman made me fall in love with all those many years ago. My favorite moments from the show were the ones that made her seem intimately human, squeeing with excitement over seeing herself on the news, <laughs> arg arguing with the TV over silly things, fighting with her sister, getting nervous around the ridiculously gorgeous Jimmy, sorry, James Olsen, 
making me join in her sobs watching the message from her mom. That's what makes this show better than anything else on TV. Thank you, Allie and Greg and Andrew and David and Melissa and everyone else. Thank you so much. That's such a good point about her having these really kind of human things. Like even when she was squeeing with excitement on seeing herself in the news, I think she was eating pizza. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was uh, really fun to see that like even Supergirl sits at home and she just wants to have a slice. Well, and it reminded me of, of when we read um, in some of the comics and she's sitting around eating pints of ice cream. Yes. Like <laughs> it's very much in that vibe. Well, we also got an email from John who wrote in saying, quote, I was not overwhelmed. I liked it. I thought the acting was pretty much top notch and the effects were pretty good. I only groaned once or twice. <laughs> all, the, <laughs> all the good stuff was already in the trailer. Having watched the trailer four or five times, it felt like a stumble or slowness when they moved on to something that wasn't in the trailer. That gave the pilot a slow and clumsy feeling to me. Um, and if you hadn't watched the trailer multiple times, that might not have been an issue. It had to pack an awful lot into the first episode. It had to present us with a status quo, upset it, give us all these characters, have an arc for Kara, present the problem of the season, which is the escaped prisoners, and explain where her more famous cousin was. That's a tall order. Most of the uh, characters are quick sketches. After Kara, Cat Grant, and James Olsen come off the best. Alex had some dialogue towards... Um, the end that felt a little too on the nose and poor David Harewood mostly got to be angry. The actors do a great job with what they have though. I'm sorry that Dean Cain didn't have any lines, but maybe in the future he will. Melissa Benoist did great. My biggest problems come from the nature of pilots. So maybe they'll be gone next episode. We can also settle down and give them a bit more character stuff in future episodes, unquote. So yeah, I, I agree, John. I, I think, um, you know, it's it is an, the nature of pilots to kind of try to get as much character stuff in as they can, and so some might not have as much stuff as others. But it, that's why it's a TV series; you get to flesh it out a little bit. And I would almost disagree about the trailer, though, John. I've I thought the episode did it did the story and the pilot way more justice than the trailers did. So I was happy to see that. Yeah, and I I um I disagree too with the with the character stuff like. Um, I thought Alex was really well done and well defined. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm like, you know, obsessed with their relationship now and like kind of want to see uh, them kind of grow both in relation to each other and independently. But um, they managed, even with all that stuff that they had to get done, to still give each character like an inner life. Um, Except I, I would probably agree most with the David Harewood. Like yeah. he really did spend most of the time being angry. But like, <laughs> but but even he got to you know you see that under all of that he really does value Alex and he you know everything that he's doing is do he's doing it with good intentions um, and that comes across or it came across to me. Well, thank you for uh, sending us those emails, Corinne and John. We appreciate your feedback. And if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we're also available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And we are part of the DC TV podcast circle. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and even DC movies, we've got a podcast for that. Subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV podcasts on Facebook.
Uh, as for me, you can always find me at TeresaGiusino.com. Uh, that's where you can connect to all of my social media and everything else. Um, but I really want to tell you about uh, – I write, of course, for The Mary Sue at TheMarySue.com. And we're getting big into Supergirl over there. Um, I'm going to be doing the weekly recaps and reviews uh, for Supergirl at The Mary Sue. And those are going to come out every Tuesday. And then uh, you've got – Supergirl Radio uh, going up on Wednesdays. And then uh, on Thursdays, you can enjoy another Supergirl video from me over at the Mary Sue, where uh, every week I'll be talking about um, a topic from the episode that week and kind of relating it back to the source material. So definitely uh, keep your eye out for those. Uh, hopefully you like them. And basically it's it, it's going to be like me and Supergirl all week, every day, for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome, though. I'm looking forward to that. It'll be, it'll be cool. Hopefully hopefully you guys will like them. Um, but yeah, that's where I you can find me. Very cool. Well, and you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash DuckMilkProd. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And um, I'm not going to be doing as much Supergirl video, but I do have one Supergirl video that I did recently. Um, I tested myself to see how many facts I could cram uh, about Supergirl into 15 seconds. Um, so if you want to see Pretty how awesome. if you want to see how I did and everything was from memory, I wasn't reading any cue cards or anything, wasn't trying to cheat. Um, so if you want to see how I did and what facts I put in there, head over to youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. And uh, if you'd like to stick around for a quick spoiler section about next week's episode of Supergirl, we'll be doing that after our theme music. So stick around for that. And if you don't want spoilers, enjoy our lovely theme music. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Teresa Giacino. Can you believe it? A female hero. Nice for daughters and sons to have someone like that to look up to. to Earth when my planet Krypton was dying. <sighs> I feel like I've heard this story before. This is my story. He knows what you told him? <laughs> this is not a job I take lightly. I can do this, and I don't want to waste a minute of it. She's so cool. Do you maybe have a little crush on Supergirl? You got good taste, kid. <laughs> I am going to write a kick-ass expose on Supergirl. You're writing it? I'm a writer. It's like riding a bike or severe childhood trauma. You never really lose it. Lucy Lane. Yes, you you are. There was a time I would have done anything for that woman, but she dumped me. You're doing things that Superman couldn't even do. Kara, you leap into the sky head first into danger, and you don't seem scared of falling. What's so bad about falling? 
Supergirl. You may have powers, Kara, but we don't always know who our enemies are. So we need to be prepared to face anyone. It's been a long time, little one. At Astra. We have to stop her. I'm just trying to keep you safe. Of all the things the S stands for, safety is not one of them. You are pointless, sad, pathetic. Don't talk to me like that! Supergirl, stand down! I don't want to let go. I don't want to either. Supergirl. New episodes. CBS Mondays at its regular time, 8, 7 central. And we're back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The highlights, of course, are Cat Grant interviewing Supergirl, uh, our first look at Levi Miller as Carter Grant, which was really cute, um, our first look at Lucy Lane, Kara and James dancing, Reactron literally crashing a party, <laughs> <laughs> Red Tornado, um, Supergirl fighting Aunt Astra, Wynn kissing Kara, and Cat and Kara having a squabble at Catco with Kara sticking up for herself, which I think was my favorite part of that whole thing full of awesome things. Yeah. That was actually pretty surprising. Um, she kind of started yelling at Kat. Um, I, I think all of this looks really, really great. I'm excited to see all these new characters. I, I was really geeking out of a red tornado. I know we didn't, <laughs> we don't, you don't see a tornado in the footage, but uh, just to see him in that that shot where he kind of opens his eyes, I was like, "Ooh, that's much better than that promotional picture we saw." So I'm all kinds of excited about everything. The next episode is called Stronger Together. The official description for episode two says, quote, when Kara's attempts to help National City don't go according to plan, she must put aside the doubts that she and the city's media has about her abilities in order to capture an escapee from the Kryptonian prison Fort Roz. When Supergirl moves to its regular time period, Monday, November 2nd at 8 to 9 PM EST on the CBS television network, unquote. So uh, it looks like we're going to get a, a new baddie from Fort Roz and uh, get to see the fallout of how the city is uh, thinking about Supergirl. I mean, I guess that it has to be this way for a while that all of the villains that she is going to be dealing with are going to be Fort Roz villains. Um, but I have to say, I'm really excited to, to get to the... Um, you know, the toy mans of the world, like the the live wires, like the the earth based kind of villains who, you know, things happen to them and they become villains. Um, but, yeah, you know, I mean, Fort Roz looks pretty big. There's going to be a lot of villains in it there. It was humongous. So, <laughs> big so that'll yeah. So that'll, you know, we'll be likely dealing with the fallout of that, you know, obviously, the whole season. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to, to think about uh, the media in relation to Supergirl, especially because Supergirl has such a strong tie to the media in, you know, just like her cousin, working for a news outlet. So uh, it will be interesting to see kind of how she kind of gets it from all angles. It's really interesting. She obviously she's out there doing her hero thing, but then she gets to hear the feedback when she goes to work. You know, like nobody knows that it's her, but like she gets to hear everybody's <laughs> opinions about Supergirl. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of intense. But yeah, next week, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And uh, let's see how Kara starts to, uh, how Kara, I keep doing that, how Kara seems to uh, 
feel about herself as she continues forward with her being a hero. I'm so excited we get another episode. That This is yes. a thing that we could watch on TV. So I'm so looking forward to next week. Definitely. I'm so thrilled. And I'm glad that we can finally, you know, bring this to you on the podcast. Thank you so much, all of you, for listening yes. through season zero. We we have loved sharing Supergirl knowledge with you. And, like, I'm so happy that we finally get to talk about the show with all of you. Yeah. So thanks for listening. And we will be back with another episode filled with more news and more discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.